This ESPN Chicago podcast is presented by 19 Crimes Wine. It's White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep right! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. What is up, Welcome in to White Sox Weekly. It is Saturday, February 11th. We are closer and closer to the start of spring training. And that means things are getting real. We've got the World Baseball Classic rosters coming out. We've got some news from around the ballpark. I want to share some storylines that I'm excited to get caught up on from the team. When I go down to spring training in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about the projections that have come out from Zips, Steamer, FanDuel, and a bunch of other places as well. we got some win totals, or at least win projections, for every single ball club coming up here in 2023. There's some cool video game news that I saw just the other day, uh, and we'll get to your phone calls as well. 312-332-3776. As always, this show's your show, White Sox Weekly. So give us a ring. You want to talk White Sox, you want to talk baseball, we're here for you. You can find us on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. That is the Twitter handle for the White Sox radio network. All the news notes and uh, your access to Lynn Casper and Darren Jackson are right there through Twitter. You can find me at C1 McKnight. Sox fans, 2023 ticket plans are available right now. We offer a variety of plans. And when you lock in today, you'll get flexible payment plans, savings on single games, great seat locations, and more. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash season tickets. All right, a handful of things that, you know, again, one of these shows where there are a lot of topics that I want to get to and, you know, not a, a whole ton of time and not all of them are like big time delve into topics. So I think we're going to hit around to all fields, I think, this afternoon. Anything, you know, strikes you as more interesting than the others, give us a ring. We'll spend a little bit more time on it. I, I think, you know, I, one other topic that I wanted to mention here at the start of the show that I think we'll start to dive into uh, this week, next week, and next Saturday as well. Kind of spend uh, each of the next three Saturdays spending a little bit of time talking about the three big rules changes coming to Major League Baseball in 2023. Um, we had a caller last week, <clears throat> I think it was Jim, was talking a little bit about the bigger bases that are coming. And I thought, you know what? I, I always spent a lot of last year on White Sox Weekly interviewing different players and coaches about how they felt about what looked to be the coming rule changes for this season. Uh, And now that they're here, they're codified, they're going to exist. We can talk about exactly what's going to take place and, and how some of the best thinkers in and around this game believe these rules changes are going to change what we're watching every single day of the summer. So that's, that's part of the or on the radar as well. Our producer, Charlie Bevins, is here. Charlie, love you. Good to see you. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's beautiful outside. I can't believe this. It's a nice day. It's is it has it hit forty five yet? It's it's almost forty five degrees. I mean this is this is basically uh very early morning or late night in uh, Glendale, Arizona, just outside of Camelback Ranch. That, it feels good. Yeah, it feels great. You know, one time I went to Camelback Ranch and uh my dad and I were trying to go to a White Sox game and my dad didn't look at the tickets when we went to a Dodgers game, but no, no. either way, fun place to watch a baseball game in the spring. That it is. 
that it is. Looking forward to getting down there. It's a good. Uh, it's it's one of the nicer stadiums I think in and around. There's been some new ones built too that I really love. I think you know if you've been listening to me talk about baseball the last four, five, six years, uh, love Camelback Ranch Talking Stick, where the Diamondbacks and Rockies share a facility is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous ballpark. One of my absolute favorites. The sight lines there are awesome. We're really excited to get spring training going for sure here on the White Sox Radio Network. I, I know a lot of people, I mean, this is this is a big topic come this time of year around Major League Baseball, are interested in what computers have to say about your favorite ball club, about your Chicago White Sox. And if you're, whether you're, at, at this point, I think, in 2023, whether you are an analytics person when it comes to baseball, you know, how you consume it, how you're a fan, or whether you're not, I think you are well aware of what the projections are have put down for each and every ball club. To, to sum things up, maybe this is your first time kind of hearing about stuff like this. Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs is one heck of a baseball thinker and math guy, and he runs the Zips projections. Baseball Prospectus has uh, their own projections. Steamer is another projection system. It's a bunch of different maths that make up, uh, I think, essentially an algorithm. You plug in a bunch of things that you know you essentially believe matter or have been shown to matter mathematically over the course of uh, the life of baseball in the last little bit here, the last decade, and it's all weighted out. And it, it essentially gives you what it believes to be the most likely scenario for the coming season. In the case of Zips, which is the one I want to deal with most, it's on Fangraphs, and that's Zimborski's. And I think we'll probably have Dan on the show here before the season starts. He's a great guy to talk baseball with, uh, even outside, especially outside of the math and kind of what he thinks sees, he sees coming. Um, anyway, he runs this thing, the computer program, the, the MLB the show Sim, right? I think especially our, our, you know, if you're in my group or if you're in Charlie's, you know, age group of baseball fandom, you have run an MLB the show franchise. You have simmed until it is 2065 and you have grandkids of former players in your rosters and you're just kind of simming these things away. That's kind of how it works here. So he sims the season a million times and then kind of gives you the most likely outcomes, more or less. It's a bit more complicated than that, but we've only got an hour today. So I figured I'd kind of move through this in the Cliff Notes version. Where the AL Central is projected, and we'll start with the the home division, right? Well, I think we'll talk about most of the teams here. And Charlie, if you've got, I'm sure you've pulled up Zips before when it came out earlier this week. If you've got a team or two that you thought was most surprising in terms of the projections, we'll talk about it some as well. But here's how the Central, the AL Central runs rolls out. The Cleveland Guardians had been, are projected to finish on top of the division. And there's there's two, there are two numbers here. That, that I want to talk about in a little bit of a different sense and one that I'm putting a bit more weight on than the others. 83 and 79, the projected win total for the Cleveland Guardians. The Minnesota Twins are a projected 80 and 82 team. And if you haven't seen these numbers yet, I hear the collective gasp. The White Sox were projected at a 74 and 88 season. The Tigers at 71 and 91, the Kansas City Royals at 70 and 92. Here's the other number before we get into kind of the, the breakdown of this and how I feel about this as well. The division percentage, the percentage to win the AL Central, which I think, especially in the American League, I, I, I look at the AL and I think there are some decent teams here to be sure. You know, the Yankees are a solid ball club. The Blue Jays are a very good ball club. 
The Astros are the class of the American League. I mean, that's just kind of where things are at. And yet, I still kind of think that if you can just make the dance, you know, get into the tournament in the American League, you've got as good a chance as winning as everybody if you're healthy and pitching well. It's, it's kind of how I felt about this, the American League, for a little while now maybe with the exception of the Astros. That's a pretty big giant to slay. In the National League, you have, I mean, five, six teams that that are uh, tiers above the rest, and I, that's a different conversation and, and one that we're not really going to have here since this is White Sox Weekly. The White Sox were given an 11% chance to win the division from Zips. Uh, the, the Guardians came out at a 50% chance. The Twins came out at a 30% chance. Now, one of the things that I think is you know, I, I saw the numbers, and I think White Sox fans everywhere saw the 74 win total, and I had saw a lot of different reactions, which I kind of understand as well. Some people said, oh, "Of course, this is where this is where they're at. This is it's a, this is exactly what it is." I'm sure after three seasons of seeing win totals that you couldn't believe were 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 right. You know, that you expected 95 and 98 win teams or whatever it was. I look at this and I think something um, uh, one of the White Sox fans on, on Twitter that I, I like quite a bit. Uh, I think he's got a good brain around him is uh, P. Knowles, Patrick Nolan. I, I think he thinks some interesting stuff. and I, I think he's got a good perspective on some things. So I'll credit him because I think credit is due here. It is really difficult for me. And Pino's put it well. It's kind of crystallized how I was thinking about this win total, this projection total when I first saw it. The White Sox have had a number of different injury situations whereby it almost becomes impossible for a, a, a system like this, a projection system like Zips. And this is not a shot against it. This is what, this is the data that's been fed to this machine, right? I mean, this is, this is what it is. It's what it's been asked to do. That projecting a healthy season for the White Sox is difficult on a bunch of different levels. So, in my mind, and we talked a little bit about this last week, if you have guys, if you have Aloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, and Luis Robert, just, just to name three of the talented players that make up the core of this White Sox roster that, that matter quite a bit and have mattered for seasons, three guys playing to what you, you think could really easily be you know, four wins above replacement, some really good baseball, some of the, the Jimenez, the Anderson, the Robert baseball that we have seen here over the last three years, then it's really easy to see the White Sox blowing away this win projection and being the team they wanted to be. What it feels like, though, and I, I understand this part of the discussion, what it feels like is also saying, well, if the White Sox stay healthy, then they've got a clear path to the central. And I understand that that conversation is one that, that it's, it's kind of it's a well-trod road, right? It's something we've been up and down before. I also think this about the Central, I and, and I think this has been the case for a while. Given the fact that, that injuries are so difficult to uh, predict, you know, from, from a season-to-season standpoint, and granted, if a guy has been hurt before, it's, it's more likely that he'll get hurt later. That's, that's the one thing you can say about guys who unfortunately have suffered injuries that we've learned here over the past, you know, two decades, three decades. The, the Central has a team on top of it based on the Zips projections here and, and based on last year's standings too, right? It's the Guardians division until somebody comes takes it from them, as it was the White Sox division last year when the Guardians came and take it from, took it from them. At 83 and 79, this is 18. That's the projection for the Guardians. That is a team that has a lot of young talent 
all most of which performed at um, at really high levels last year. I think of Stephen Kwan, right? If nothing else, that guy. I mean, whew, what a year Stephen Kwan had, both offensively and defensively for them. So what you're asking is a bunch of sophomores, essentially, a lot of sophomores anyway, not the entire team, but a lot of them. Obviously, Jose Ramirez is far from a sophomore. He's an established, vested veteran and one of the best players in the American League. But a lot of guys in their second time through to readjust to the big leagues. And as you know, you're baseball fans, you kind of have seen this before. As that happens, that can be very difficult. A sophomore slump is, you know, it's a it's a thing we talk about quite a bit and for good reason. So I wonder if if that's the 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 ceiling or if there is a very high ceiling on that Guardians team. The Twins conversation, I think, is much like the White Sox in a lot of ways. There's an offense there. There's some potency there to be sure. There's some pop, probably a little bit more with the Twins, especially with Carlos Correa now. Uh, some defensive questions, especially with Carlos Correa now that you've, you've seen come out, some of the, some of the other uh, individual projections in the season. Some defensive metrics haven't come back all that great on Carlos Correa, and you saw what happened in the offseason with the, the health issues that, that were that at least flagged the Giants' contract and then the Mets' contract after that. Um, there's a health concern there in Minnesota as well. You know, the, the Tigers were supposed to be plucky last year, and they fell on some hard times. And the Kansas City Royals, I think, are a tougher club uh, with guys like MJ Melendez and Vinny Pasquantino in the lineup than, I, than many people give them credit for, but not quite ready to to pitch at a big league level yet, I don't think. I I wish the narrative, so to speak, right, that, that this kind of gives us was a little bit different than it has been the last couple of years, but it really does look like this is a three-team race at the top with the Guardians, Twins, and White Sox, and that there is very little reason, at least from my perspective, that the White Sox can't win a division if they get a little luck on the health side of things. I want to talk about some individual storylines, some things that I'm really interested in uh, in finding out once I get down to spring training. I want to go through the rest of some of these projections as well, the, 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 other, the, the other two divisions in the American League, the East and the West as well when we come back. 312-332-3776. That's the number. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. So you can become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five, pre-sales, and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash insider today. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Talking about the uh, the Zips projections that came out earlier this week. Went through some numbers in the AL Central. You know, I forgot to mention, uh, Charlie, one of the more important projection systems that's been around for a really long time are the sports books, right? I mean, it's we, we talk about like Zips and Steamer and Baseball Prospectus and all this other stuff that, that have been running these these baseball maths since the Moneyball book came out in 2003, 2002, and, and since probably earlier than that. But like to say that the bookies, the guys out in Vegas 
hadn't been putting some math on top of their projections would be absolutely ludicrous. You know, and I, I feel like we should probably run through some of the betting futures uh, on FanDuel that have the White Sox and Guardians and everybody else pegged to their win totals. I mean, that's, that's essentially what gambling has been for a while. We just don't talk about it that way, you know? Right. Well, you know, follow the money, you know, like Vegas, Vegas, if, if Vegas wasn't good at this, they wouldn't exist. So my, my uncle would always say that there's a reason there's chandeliers inside the casino. Exactly. It, and it ain't because they wanted them. It's because you paid for them. Um, I think, too, and I, it's worth saying the betting number is going to be different, but they're arriving to it in someone similar. Public money drives bets, right? So Vegas is trying to put, as, as anyone is, they're trying to put a number down that makes you the Guardians fan, the White Sox fan, the Twins fan, the Tigers fan, the Royals fan want to bet that number, right? I mean, because that's that's where the business is at. Uh, I'm not really peeling back the curtain there. That's that's how they're out front on this. So we like we like FanDuel quite a bit. And they have the Guardians and White Sox as plus 160. Both of them, the odds-on favorites to win at the AL Central. Right there, dead even. Twins at plus 250. The Tigers at plus 2,000. And the Royals at plus 4,000. Good luck on that one. The win total, though, that, that I found on fans, 83 and the hook. 83, a special number for White Sox fans, really Chicago sports fans everywhere. 83 and a half for the White Sox, which I think, you know, after an 81 and 81 finish last year isn't where anybody wants to be pegged necessarily, but also feels a hell of a lot better than 74. All things considered, this is a team whose expectations are much, much higher than either one of those numbers. Uh, and we talked about the reasons why. I, I think I think a couple of things about you know some of the rest of the American League. Uh, we'll run through some of those numbers too. I don't know, Charlie, did you see a, a total, uh, whether a, a high total or low total that you thought was kind of uh, wild here in the in the AL? Yeah, I haven't, um, not necessarily that anything jumped out at, at me on the gambling stuff, but I was looking at Zips the other day, like you said, when yeah. it came out. The Angels and the Mariners are projected to have the same record. And that one's funny to me because we talk about those teams in such different ways. Like we're so optimistic and feeling so good about what the Mariners can be. And we're constantly frustrated by the Angels. And yet Zips has them as pretty similar records. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, let's start in the AL West, right? The Astros were projected to win, are projected to win 90 games. I feel like that could be a low number. You know, it, 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 it's just you get a feeling about this team, that organization at this point, and it, it, it just kind of feels like they can do whatever they want. Uh, in case you missed the news, I think it was yesterday, Christian Javier signed an extension with them. Five years, 60-something, 64 guaranteed with a couple of you know add-ons and incentives tacked onto that you darvish signed an extension as well how about that guy's 36 and he's got a six-year extension that makes me feel like i've got usefulness left in my life charlie like i got like i got a chance at a multi-year ex- danny zetterman's gonna come down the ho- come down the hallways and be like, listen connor you may be old but here's that six-year extension you've been hoping for that's great stuff. Just work on that two-seamer. Yeah, yeah right. It'll be good. Two-seamer, sinker, the gyro ball, the splitter, the slider, and everything else that Darvish throws. But the, So I, I was listening to uh, – I, and I, I like to, to credit the, the places I find stuff because I think you, the White Sox fan, will be interested in hearing some of these places as well. We've had Ben Lindbergh of um, of The Ringer on a couple of times. He's one of my favorite baseball writers. He and Meg Rowley at Fangraphs have a, the Effectively Wild podcast, and they're kind of doing their season previews. And I like to listen to these as we get into spring training. 
it's a great way to tap in to the rest of the league that you don't cover on an everyday basis. And I, I just listened to the Angels uh, pod preview. They, it's it's you just want Trout and Otani in the playoffs already. You know, like if you are if you are a baseball fan, it's just like, come on, guys, let's get them there just to see it one more time in Trout's case and for the first time in Otani's case, but. Boy, it, it just rests on the edge to say nothing of the you know the story that ownership has kind of gone through with selling and then not selling here. Otani's approaching his final year uh, in, under contract with the Angels, and it feels like if they make the playoffs, they get Otani back. And if they don't, Shohei Otani would be one of the most sought-after free agents of all time, and that's after coming off a season which Aaron Judge set the AL record for home runs in a season. You know, that's absolutely wild. I, I think you know, one of the numbers that kind of surprised me more than anything else was, believe it or not, in the AL West again, uh, the Oakland A's as a 72-win team. I, man, that is a squad that that's already trading players off the roster with Cole Irvin going to Baltimore, which I think is a, a fun team we'll talk about in a second. Um, but that is that is a very high number, I feel like. The Orioles were projected in an 80 and 82 win season. They uh, did not get a lot done in this offseason outside of that Cole Irvin trade that they just made. Uh, the Yankees are, are projected to win the AL East, but it's close. Yankees and Blue Jays right there at 89 and 88. The Red Sox at the bottom at 79 and 83. So I feel like there's some, some action there in that division. I, I guess what you see in a, in a no 90 win team in the AL East is again, feels like every year. I, I think somebody will have 90, um, but you've, you've got the Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, and, and now the Orioles all going to beat the hell out of each other for, for six months. Cause that's what the AL East has been for, for decades, at least since I was a kid. I, I think, you know, as we, as we put the projections behind us a little bit um, and look forward to what's coming up for the White Sox at Camelback Ranch in Glendale, I, I wanted to get into a couple of different storylines that I'm really excited to ask some follow-up questions on and, and find out a little bit more on. You know, at this point in the season, uh, nowadays you've you've got Instagram stories and and tweets and all this other stuff that agencies that have put out stories about you know guys like Lucas Giolito going to his agencies. Um, pitching lab and revamping some of the delivery and mechanics, right? And you see what he's throwing. Garrett Crochet just tweeted out, or uh, rather put on Instagram, I think, the other day, him throwing off a mound, uh, which is which is great to see. So there are a couple of different storylines that I want to tell you that I'm you know looking to follow up on once we get down to spring training. We'll talk about quite a bit during the first broadcast of the year. That's February 25th. That's the White Sox spring training opener. And you can catch it here on ESPN 1000. Of course, we're going to broadcast 10 different spring training games. The 25th is uh, a game against the Padres at Camelback Ranch. Looking forward to bringing that to you uh, in just 14 days. We are we are two weeks from that first game. We are nine days from the first full squad workout. That's coming up on the 20th. And then pitchers and catchers report this coming Wednesday. It's getting close. We'll talk about some of the big things that I want to hear about once we get down to Glendale, Arizona. That's coming up next on White Sox Weekly. This is ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN1000. 1000. 1000. 
Sox fans, are you planning a special occasion? Maybe looking for the perfect location? Well, we've got you covered. You can either go to Swingtown, or what you should really do is come and guarantee great field. Because when you reserve your group outings for 2023, you get priority access to the biggest matchups and the best space for your group. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash groups. Also, more Steve Miller band in the rotation. Charlie, please, let's fire that up, shall we? I'll, I'll work on it. I'll run up the flagpole. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Swingtown fires up, and then every Wisconsin graduate from uh, from one coast to the other kind of goes, oh, Swingtown, we get to play it again. That's great. I can't tell you what the lyrics are uh, when we're at Camp Randall and Swingtown's playing. And if you've went there, if you've been to a game, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I can't say any of those lyrics on air. I wanted to tell you some of the storylines that I am very much looking forward to when I get down to spring training in, in just two weeks here. Um, I'll be there for the first game and through the uh, first four or five days, something like that. Media day, all that good stuff. We'll get a lot of social media content and um, get our liners for the White Sox radio network, all the good stuff. But some of the things that I'm really interested to hear from Pedro Grafal and, and perhaps from Rick Hahn, if he speaks uh, toward the beginning of camp, sometimes he, he waits a week or so until he has his kind of first session. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if, you've got, if he's got something um, early on. I, I tell you what, and I, maybe not it's, it's not top of mind or even the most important storyline as spring training convenes at Glendale, Arizona. But the one that perked my eyebrows up the most was seeing the uh, the Instagram post from Garrett Crochet, big White Sox left-hander who had Tommy John surgery very late in spring training last year and is, is not expected to return perhaps un- until about June. That's in a, that's in a good case scenario. Tommy John surgeries, we talked about this a, little, a lot on White Sox Weekly. You, you feel like, as a baseball fan, these things are, ah, Tommy John, it's, it's 12 to 18 months and a guy's back and maybe throwing harder and feeling a lot better than he did before. That is the case from the end user, right? I mean, that's as we as baseball fans see it, and that's usually true. However, I, I feel like it's worth saying, and I know I say this a lot, but Tommy John rehabs are hard. They're, it's really really taxing the scar tissue breaks up it feels like your elbow falls apart again some guys have difficulty trusting that they'll ever throw again. i mean this is a it is a mental grind right and that's even improving now um at least some because there are so many who have gone through this even at a major league level or especially at a major league level i should say so there's kind of a a fraternity that that guys can kind of lean on and talk to uh, other guys who have gone through Tommy John surgery. Hey, did it ever feel like this to you? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, did it ever feel like a hand grenade went off inside your elbow about six months after surgery? Yeah, absolutely. Felt that. You're going to get through it. You're going to be fine. But, you know, that that stuff matters. Um, I know it's kind of my my tangent every time we talk about Tommy John surgery, but it, it really is a, a huge huge thing in our game right now. And I think worth talking about a little bit more than just, ah, he'll be back in 12 to 16 months or whatever. Anyway, crochet's throwing off a mound and I really want to know where he's at. I'd love to hear, you know, where, where the expectations are for crochet, what he's capable of doing um, come spring training as, as we start getting in into throwing programs and maybe live BPs and stuff like that. The White Sox, whether it's Rickon or Pedro Grafal over the last couple of months, have said pretty clearly that if Crochet is able to throw this season, and, and, and he well, could well do that, 
that it will be out of the bullpen in 2023. And obviously that's a, a shift in plan because of injury. The White Sox drafted him as high as they did out of Tennessee because of the, the nasty stuff, but had the expectation that they could work him into the starting rotation in time. With his, with the way he's been needed in the bullpen early on, that kind of development hasn't been there. There was somewhat of an expectation that last season could have been a little bit like the Michael Kopech 2021 plan. I think Kopech had four or five starts in that year and something like 40 appearances out of the bullpen, totaling up to, I think it was about 65 innings. Baseball reference isn't in front of me right now, but I could pull it up. And the idea would have been that Crochet could repeat something like that. Uh, double headers, perhaps, when those were shifted to nine innings again. Maybe Crochet takes, takes uh, a start or two there and is able to you know just kind of feel what it's like to get up and down a couple of times, face the lineup a few, uh, and, and move that kind of way through his season. That didn't happen. And with his potential return midway through the year, that's not likely to be on the table for him either. Now, here's the wrench, right? Here's the wrinkle. What if things are going great for Garrett Crochet? You know, what if that rehab looks real good? He's throwing off the mound right now, and that's a very encouraging sign. The White Sox may well be in need of starting pitching depth. They may just be in need of starts at some point this season. Very rarely do you see the teams one through five in the rotation make it all the way to the finish line. And if that team does, they're, they're usually you know right on top of the way because health matters so much. They're really usually right on top of their standings. Um, the White Sox had to lean quite a bit on Johnny Cueto and Davis Martin last year, and both of them came out aces. I mean, absolutely fantastic relative to expectations and, and even relative to, I mean, shoot, Johnny Cueto is just about as good as you could ask for in about 15, 18 starts. Still, you're going to have to rely on some starting depth. And we talked last week a little bit about Davis Martin probably having the odds on to, to make that fifth starter spot with the uncertainty around the Mike Clevenger situation. Uh, that would mean a guy like Sean Burke, who, uh, who's been talked about quite a bit, is that next piece of minor league depth, that next guy to perhaps take some starts would be up next. And you know, I, if, if, the, if the expectation from the club was that Garrett Crochet could be a starter in this league, I, I just wonder what kind of flexibility would be in that plan. Obviously, the club and, and Garrett are going to be health first, right? I mean, it's got to be health of the player first when it comes to what he's capable of and what he's asked to do. But I can't help but wonder whether the, the long-term plan, the original long-term plan for Garrett Crochet and some of the immediate needs of this ball club come June, July, August, perhaps when, when he's ready to come back and face big league hitting, don't line up in a way that it isn't the bullpen. I, I, I'd be interested. I'm, I'm very interested to hear some of that, um, some of the follow-up there. Also to that end, we, we talked last week about starting pitching depth and perhaps, you know, some of the guys out there like Michael Walker or Dylan Bundy that, that are still free agents. Um, teams are snapping up pitching depth still, um, and will likely continue to do so as spring training goes. Uh, and I, I wonder if some of those names are out there too. However, you know, Jimmy Lambert threw so well 
so well out of bullpen last year. I, I think it will be interesting to see or hear rather some of the questions uh, about Lambert and, and his, the, the club's expectations for him this spring. There, there has been a change in what this team may need perhaps come opening day. And it may well be in the starting rotation. Jimmy's been a starter all the way up until 2022. And while that was a breakout year for him out of the bullpen, he was able to do more, I think, add more to his repertoire. And I don't just mean his pitch selection, just his his ability to get around big league hitters, his kind of thinking process for how to get guys out, his his understanding of how his stuff plays against hitters that I think could benefit him again as a member of the starting rotation if that happened. Now, big key to Jimmy Lambert last year was the fact that he could throw harder out of the bullpen, that he found that extra couple of ticks in velocity. And no doubt, that's exceptionally helpful. I, you know, you, you got to be able to pitch in this league too, though. And I, I wonder if the things he'd learned last year uh, might not be just as transferable to his work as a starter. And, and that might be something, he might be a guy that the White Sox kind of look at and go, listen, I, I know it was really good out of the, out of the bullpen last year. But given the, some of the dudes we've added, Nick Avila is a Rule 5 guy. Franklin German, uh, who they picked up, was a minor league uh, pitcher of the year for the Boston Red Sox last year. Those guys are bullpen guys. You, you might have a shot here. You want to go fight for this five spot or maybe this, this – I don't know. That could be something interesting as well. I think it's probably worth uh, exploring once we get down to Glendale, Arizona. Two other storylines that I think um, are, are absolutely worth following are health-related, and that's Yasmani Grandal and, and Michael Kopech. I, I think if you followed this team over the last two, three seasons, you know exactly where I'm headed here and exactly what I, I think a lot of White Sox fans are looking forward to knowing. Um, it's, it's, no, it's no doubt that Yasmani Grandal healthy, is much better than Yasmani Grandal compromised in any way. That's the nature of being a catcher. It is nearly impossible to do that job when you're dealing with the myriad health issues that he had. You can maybe just play defense or maybe just hit, but yet it's really difficult to do it all when you've got knee injuries. Uh, and that's something that Grandal <clears throat> has dealt with over the last couple of years. From the Kopech standpoint, um, <sighs> There, the knee issue was there last year. There was also some shoulder cleanup that got done after the season. And it sounded like, from Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach, early on in the offseason, that the expectation was to get Kopech to the point where he's, you know, at that 80-pitch kind of mark, it sounded like, come start of the year. Is that still on the table? Uh, have the, has the rehab, the, the t- both of them, gone better in this offseason so far, those I think will be big questions that White Sox beat reporters, the White Sox fans will want to hear answers to once they start spring training, once we, we start getting guys throwing off the mound when pitchers and catchers report uh, next Wednesday. Uh, so some of these questions, whether that's Crochet, Kopech, um, and, and one more too about Kendall Graveman. You know, last year there was a – Graveman pitched a lot early on in the season – and then needed to be uh, throttled back a little bit in terms of being able to pitch in back-to-back days. Is Did the offseason go well enough that that's still something the White Sox have to protect? Or is is that something that um, that Kendall has has been able to overcome some? Is that something where he's you know back and feeling 100%? Because if you know with the absence of Liam Hendricks, 
at the very least at the start of the season and, and perhaps for the entirety of it, you never know. Um, the White Sox need a closer. And Graveman has succeeded in that role before. You want to have a guy that can that can get you two in three in a three game series, and uh, and and that's going to be a big question that Graveman may have to answer if the White Sox want to lean on if Pedro Gafal wants to lean on one guy as a closer as opposed to kind of a mixture there. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's the number. Any of those storylines seem more important to you than others, or if you've got one at the start of spring training you want to hear about, give us a ring. We'll talk about it when we come back. I do want to touch a bit on the upcoming rules changes for 2023 and talk a bit about one of the, uh, I don't know, one of the really cool and and not so often baseball items we've got coming up here. The World Baseball Classic is on its way. And I, I didn't know how much I missed the World Baseball Classic until I saw the rosters come out. And there's a bunch of prominent White Sox on a handful of different rosters. We'll talk about those when we come back. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. You can stay up to date on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow the White Sox on social media today. They are at White Sox. You know, this time of year, Charlie and I, were, I'll pull, pull back the curtain a little bit. Charlie and I were talking during the break. This time of year, you got to be really careful where you're getting your uh, social media news from. There are accounts all over the place who will claim they've got sources. There's fake blue check marks now. You can pay for blue check marks now. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess out there. There may or may not have been uh, a rumor, an account that Mets star Pete Alonzo was going to use the, the, the Whopper Whopper song, right, as a walk-up song. And I also, Charlie, saw Jake Berger's fiancé, uh, wife rather, tweet that, that Jake might use that song once a week for his walk-up song as, as a hitter. So are we any closer to finding out whether uh, Pete Alonzo is going to take this to City Field and, and do that whole thing? If, if Jake's going to do it, have you found anything on this? I haven't seen anything from Alonzo, but you're right uh, about the fiancé tweet. And I think I think it, it would start to make more sense for Berger because right. they just there's a new Whopper one that instead of Whopper, they just say cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. They just say it like 20 times in a row. Uh, I think that like would the- be the better one. Like the SNL sketch, like the old from the, you know, with the with the Bill Murray and uh, Belushi and everything like that. Just the cheeseburger, cheeseburger thing. Yeah, basically. All right, I get it. I get it. I'm down for it. I could see Jake doing that. I mean, the guy, the guy plays with an enormous smile on any way. I could see him happening. Uh, the other, I don't know if you, there's, there's other, there's all sorts of different, like, um, you know, this guy's demanding a trade. That guy's demanding a trade. There's Ronald Acuna nonsense out there right now. And, and some of it, here's the transition, the segue for you. Some of it has to do with the World Baseball Classic. There you go. I landed it. I I remember, I want to say it was the the 2010, or maybe it was 2012, the 2012 World Baseball Classic. And I was, I was down in spring training covering uh, the White Sox and the Cubs for another shop at the time. And it was during the World Baseball Classic. It was in Team Puerto Rico. It was like bad flipping the hell out of everything and bringing all of that 
kind of excitement uh, and flavor to baseball. They were just they were just unapologetically hitting bombs left and right. It was so much fun and with so much drama in that particular World Baseball Classic. I'm I'm getting kind of gassed up again for the World Baseball Classic, and I didn't expect to. I I don't know if it's you know my generation of baseball fandom that kind of has this on the back burner and then moves it to the front right burner. You know the the good one, the burner that everybody uses, the only burner that a lot of people use. Charlie, I don't know. Listen, we talk about baseball generations all the time. I don't know if this has gotten. You interested the World Baseball Classic as a as a young baseball fan was this a thing? Yes, definitely. And I remember, uh, like, the, I remember. God, it must have been over ten years ago. But it was they were at they were promoting it, and um, they all the players gave you know a reason why you should watch it. And then Derek Jeter goes up and he says, "What else are you going to watch? Hockey? <laughs> That's good. I forgot about that one. That was really good." Yeah, I uh, enjoyed those ads. And I, you know, if you're a hockey fan, listen, we love the hockey show. Uh, it's it's on before us. We listen to every minute of it. But it's it's you gonna watch hockey? No, you gonna watch a Ford baseball classic? Is what you're gonna do? Um, rosters are out. They've been announced. A lot of White Sox in a lot of different places. Team Cuba has a handful of White Sox on it, of course. Um, you've got Luis Robert on that ball club. Um, thought it was interesting to see uh, the the guys that got named, the players that made it, all that kind of stuff. Um, Tim Anderson is is on those rosters as well. Cuba plays in Pool A. That's Chinese Taipei, the Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and Panama. That's uh, March eighth through the twelfth. They're in Taiwan to get things started. It's a it's a group pool in the first round. Second round goes to quarterfinals, championship round, and then the championship is March twenty first in Miami, Florida, Japan, Korea, Australia, China, the Czech Republic, they're in Tokyo. That's pool B team. USA has Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and great Britain in its group. That's in Phoenix. So if you're out there for spring training baseball in Phoenix, you know, go watch the white Sox. Then team USA is going to be there playing for you as well. Pool D has Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Israel, and Nicaragua. So there's a World Baseball Classic setup and, and some of the rosters we talked about last week as well. I, I wanted quickly to touch on um, some rules changes that are coming up here in 2023. And I want to spend a lot more time on each one in the coming weeks. But I found it interesting that uh, MLB.com, uh, after they shifted a lot of coverage to the World Baseball Classic, once rosters got announced uh, yesterday, day before, something like that, had a big write-up on the rules that are changing exactly what's going to happen. It was like a FAQ, right? A, a fact sheet that you'd go to on a website like, oh, what should I know about your product? What should I know about these rules? How now are they going to work? What I think is is interesting about the three rules that, that I, I think are um, – going to impact this game in a way that even those who are so closely connected to them, the guys that have, even those who have implemented these rules before played with them at the mining level. I, I don't know that we're all ready or prepared enough for how much this is going to change baseball. And I, I think, I think overall for the better, how much this is absolutely going to revamp this game. There's the pitch clock, of course, right? We've talked about that for a long time. I understand that not everybody is on board with a pitch clock. Not everybody's excited for it. It is going to change this game. I promise you that. The shift is banned in 2023. 
DJ and I are not wild about it, not to you know separate people in the booth. Len is a, is a fan of it. Um, I, I think all, both sides have some pretty fair arguments as to why they do and don't want to see the shift banned in 23. We're going to play with it. It's going to be a thing, and we're going to see how that changes the game as well. Uh, and then the third one are, are base stealing rules. The bases are bigger, and I kind of group these into two things because they both kind of affect it. The bases are a little bit bigger, and also pitchers have a limited number of times they can disengage from the pitching rubber before they have to throw over to a base. Now, there's a certain point at which that resets when the runner moves, the batter changes. And I, I, we'll, we'll go through all these specifically in a little bit um, or, or as the weeks come through. But I, I think what was really interesting to me is I was kind of reading through this, this frequently asked questions piece on MLB.com and, and then kind of scrolling around through Twitter to see how people were talking about these rules. It's important to note and, and something that I'm going to keep in mind when I head down to Arizona, um, these rules go into effect right away in spring training. There's no warm-up. There's no ramp-up. There's no warnings issued by umpires, except in cases where rules do afford warnings to teams and or players. This is, it is on, like full on. And I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. I, a couple of years ago, I forget what season it was, but David Ortiz was still playing for the Boston Red Sox. So that kind of locates it. He was in his last two or three years. And the reason I bring up Ortiz is because he would take a lot of time between pitches to get himself ready to hit again. And there was a, the, the timer was put back on hitters. The Major League Baseball had asked umpires to kind of enforce them to get in the box and hurry their business along and stop adjusting themselves and their batting gloves and everything else. One has to adjust before they face a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. So for the first half of the season, or, or rather in spring training, there was a little bit of a ramp-up to this rule. Guys were warned and talked to and kind of laughed it off and then got into it. First half of the season, we played by those sped-up get your act together, get your stuff in the box and let's get going. And then the second half of the season, we, we baseball just kind of didn't enforce the rest of those timing rules. That is not the case here. And I, I think what that speaks to as much as anything else is that these are big changes that baseball would rather start to iron out. And I mean, you know, guys, veterans, right? Guys who haven't been down to the minor leagues and played with any of these different rules, either because they, they've been in the big leagues for a long time, haven't had rehab starts where they'd gone down and played by this set of new rules, all this kind of stuff. You need to learn now what this is going to feel like. You need to learn now uh, how this, you know, how, how you need to adjust your game, what you need to change. There's all kinds of lists. Fangraphs has put one out, baseball. The, the pitchers that are going to be most affected by the pitch clock and how quickly they have to work. There's some big changes coming to guys. And, and one of those is, is Joe Kelly. He works. He takes some time. So learn now and start early. And I think we're going to see a lot of new, fun, different, crazy stuff happen. Maybe as early as uh, February 25th. When the White Sox take on the Padres in game one of spring training, you can hear it right here on the White Sox radio network. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. We'll be back next week. Big thanks to Charlie Bevins, our producer. I'm Connor McKnight. This is ESPN 1000.